Hi, welcome to A Year Ago Today. I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and I created this podcast because I think it's really important for us to create space in our lives to intentionally reflect on the meaningful experiences that we've had. I really believe that it's only in honoring and witnessing who we've been that we can come to appreciate who we are. And so I want to really thank you for joining me in this endeavor and for gifting me with the time and attention that you are so generously offering by being here in this space. I don't know if you can hear in the background. (laughs) Right now there's an outdoor screening of the movie Purple Rain happening (laughs) in my neighborhood. So uh, I feel like as soon as I finish this intro, I'm going to get out there and watch Purple Rain. Because why not? Um, Anyway, that's funny. So if you can hear that going on in the background, welcome to what it's like to live in my apartment. (laughs) If there's going to be background noise, it might as well be Prince. Okay, so (laughs) back to the intro. Ah, It's my deepest intention that you're going to really receive some incredible value from being here today and bearing witness to this conversation, that it's going to spark a new idea for you or offer you a new insight into how you're relating to your life and your relationships and your love. And I'm just really so grateful that you're here. I'm speaking today with Colin Waite. He's an incredible artist and all-around amazing human. And he's going to introduce himself pretty thoroughly in the episode, so I won't go too deep into it here. What I will say is that right now, as this episode comes out, Colin is currently working on a musical called Little. And he's raising money to take his team up to do a residency at Barn Arts in Maine. And in order to do that, he has created an Indiegogo page. So I'm going to put that Indiegogo page in the show notes. And it's really so incredible to get to be part of supporting a piece of art as it comes into the world. And so if you resonate with Colin, and (laughs) Prince is getting louder in the back, (laughs) if you resonate with Colin as a human and with what he has to say and what he stands for, then I really would invite you to go watch his Indiegogo video, or I I don't know if there's a video, I haven't even looked at the page yet. (laughs) I'm going to go look at the page, and even if there's not a video, I'm sure there's some incredible text there that's going to let us know exactly what he's up to. And so I would invite you to go check it out just to get a little glimpse into what he's creating right now. And if you're available to do so, potentially to offer some financial support to help him bring his dreams to life. (sighs) What's more, I want to invite you to be part of what I'm building. There are a few ways you can do that. The first way and the easiest way is to share this podcast with someone who you think will enjoy it. Um... You know, this conversation is a lot about what it means to be in relationship and to be in love and the way we make that workable in our lives. And I would invite you to share this episode with someone who you really have seen putting a lot of effort into the workability of their own relationships. Someone who you know 
invests powerfully in their relationships and someone who you want to say like hey I see you I see this quality in you and I want you to know that I appreciate that and this episode made me think of you that's just one idea you can share it with whomever you please of course and I really hope that you do What's more than that, you can always rate and review us on iTunes, which is supremely helpful. And if you're feeling really fancy, you can click on over to the Patreon page, which I will also put in the show notes, and make a financial contribution to support me in continuing to create this content for you. I really am excited to continue growing and developing this platform, and I really need some support to do that. So if you enjoy what I'm creating here in this space, I would invite you to consider becoming a bigger part of that. It would really mean the world to me, and I would love to enter into that kind of exchange with you. So those are just a few things for your consideration. That's pretty much all I have to say. I really hope that you'll enjoy this episode. I would love to know uh, what you receive from it, so be sure to tag me in any, all sh- any and all shares on social media. Our handle is a year ago podcast. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, the email address is a year ago podcast at gmail.com. All right, that's it for now. Enjoy the episode. everybody. This is Tyla Fowler. I'm your host of A Year Ago Today. And I am here right now with Colin Waite. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, we're in my living room, which is new for me. I don't usually do these in person. Oh, oh, I feel very <laughs> special. This is only the second time. Oh, wow. The first time was with Jana. Right. So that was good. Um, and this is a new microphone and a new setup. So if there's any problem with the sound quality, I apologize in advance. Also, there is a, I think it's called Dance Africa. <laughs> festival happening outside and so there's a lot of background noise but i love it and we're just gonna have to let it be there <laughs> it's great i mean everyone out there looks like they're having the time of their lives so <laughs> we'll just like peer out the window at them i was out there yesterday and i bought an 80 dollar um crystal a new 80 dollar crystal from a lovely woman who was telling me all about chakras and she just like healed my whole life and then right. i was like this crystal has to live with me now all right. I'll show you. That's a, that's a good little memory. <laughs> How big of a crystal is an $80 crystal? I picture like... I'll be right back. I'll get it. Softball. Okay, wait. While I'm gone, will you start telling them who you are? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, yeah, I'm Colin Waite. I uh, am a theater maker that lives in New York. I, um, yeah, I kind of juggle three balls, which are producing and acting and writing and that is that is my day-to-day life is juggling all of those balls oh wow that is amazing it looks like flubber right it does oh cool 
She's for deep heart healing, and she's supposed to pull all of your, like, deepest, darkest heart wounds to the surface to be, like, transmuted. And I felt like I was falling into a wormhole when I was looking at it, so... Kidding. <laughs> wow. It's like... Did, like, she, like, melt? Like, this... Whatever this is? I think... This I don't know how... I don't know... I don't know how it looks like that. Cool. <laughs> it is very hypnotic. I mean, we're like looking at something. We're like, trust us, this is very hypnotic, but it really is. It's like, they're almost like eyes, but they're also kind of like whirlpools or mm. like just like these like pits and that you can like look into. So intense. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> anyway, this is my new pet, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so. You guys missed, how long have we been talking? Like, not that long. 20 minutes? What time did you get here? Yeah, about, yeah, about 20 minutes ago. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I just had an hour of therapy. <laughs> it's the call and wait touch. Yes. You gotta come over more often. <laughs> yes. Um, so Colin and I have been sitting here talking for 20 minutes about what I'm moving through in my life right now, which if you've been listening along, you'll know is that Matt is <laughs> moving out and I am unpacking the effects of patriarchy on my heart, mind, and soul. Um, so we've been talking a lot about that. Yeah. So we're kind of in it already. Yeah. Um, but before we go deeper, I have to tell you that having Colin here <laughs> is so exciting for me because I will always have a strong association of him and Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus is the love of my life, if I'm perfectly honest. Like, I don't practice Christianity anymore, but, ugh, what a guy. Yeah, what a guy. That was a <laughs> kind of crazy, wonderful experience. I, I played Jesus in a production at the Flea Theater now, oh my God. Five years ago. Five years ago, four years ago. Four, well, I mean. so, if you know me in my life... To give you context, <laughs> this was Matt's first big um, theatrical thing in New York, and it was, you can tell them in a minute what it was, but it was also happening, like, at a time in our relationship, he was in rehearsals when my dad died, and so couldn't come be with me, and so never got to meet my father. <laughs> like, these are the kinds of things I'm unpacking right now. Anyway, um... And then the opening night, which I had tickets for, and which was Matt's birthday, was three days after my dad died, and I flew back. Dear God, I did I not know that. Show. Oh, my God. And then I saw this show six times. It's a six-hour show. Yeah. So it got shorter as it went, but... Yeah. <laughs> yes, thankfully it did, yeah. And so this show was, like, such a powerful part of my personal healing and grieving process. Like, hmm. I still, like... There are parts of the show and I still cry when I think about them. <laughs> and I it's been coming up more and more recently. So the fact that you were here on my couch. <laughs> Jesus is in the house. Yeah, it was it was it's like a five and a half hour marathon reimagining of the York cycle of mystery plays. So it was the Bible. Um, and there were three acts and two intermissions. And during the first intermission, everyone had dinner. And during the second intermission, they had kind of dessert. It was amazing. I mean, that that was an incredible experience because that was like the I that was the first big thing I did in New York too. And I, I felt like I found a 
community of people. That's also the only time I've ever played a role that's like a leading role like that in Uh. that sort of way where you get to do all of the things that as a kind of drama student you kind of like could only imagine what that would be like to do that. So that was really cool. It's been very strange. I mean, in the four years since I've I've, I've kind of double and triple barreled what I do because I haven't been uh, acting as much because I think part of the difficulty for me is that nothing has lived up to that How and coming it? to terms with what that means that this thing that I did when I was 28 years old was like is that like <laughs> was that going to be like the best performance experience that I would have in my life I don't know absolutely I'm, not hopefully not hopefully not no I mean like look I mean I know I know it's not gonna be god willing I will live a long and full life and continue doing stuff but there was just something about the kind of it was the alchemy of the the people creating the thing uh Ed our director created this like real sense of community and family among the cast who were all just like the sorts of people you would actually want to hang out with and be friends with so there was this real Mm. intense bond that happened and yeah just the like I don't know getting to do something iconic and not being as terrified of doing something so iconic as I thought that I would be sometimes you get cast as like like I played Mercutio once and I was really <laughs> happy with how I did, but I was so scared because the second I got cast as Mercutio, I realized that anyone in the theater has a very strong opinion of what that means and what that's supposed to be. So there was this weird sort of pressure to do that. And somehow, strangely, playing Jesus, uh, it, I did not feel that in that way, which was a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some good energy. He's got says. some good energy. <laughs> I do. I do feel like doing that show changed me in a in a way. I, not like I became Jesus, but like like I. Uh, it it changed some qualities about myself, or maybe brought out some qualities that, knock on wood, were there all along. You know. Yeah. Knock on wood. Is that a carpentry pun? Yes. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, welcome to a year ago today. Thank you. Hans never listened to the show, which is okay. I was just giving him a little rundown of how it works, um, which is funny because I am still trying to figure out how it works myself. <laughs> Each time I record, it's different. <laughs> that, that is very normal, I think. It's like finding the thing every time you do it. Mm-hmm. All right, do you want to dive in? Sure. Okay, so close your eyes. Okay. Just start taking a few deep breaths. And think about the sentence you're holding for a year ago today. And as you think about it, just let any feelings you have rise to the surface. And whenever you're ready, Share with me in one word what you're most feeling. Nervous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so tell everybody what your sentence is. I can't believe this is happening. 
Because a year ago today. Because a year ago today, I got married. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yeah. And full disclosure, we're not recording this on the actual day of the anniversary, though we kind of tried. We tried, and yeah. then I am a 9,000-year-old man with failed <laughs> internet ambitions yeah. in my apartment and, and we were both going through a lot i yeah. was you know i was going through things here you were having an anniversary which yes. should have its own space yes, to be yeah. celebrated so let's start there how did you celebrate we um we Wait, a, first can you tell me who you married because it's important to name yes this this is important so i'm <laughs> i'm married to a man named harry waller and harry is british mm. we met when i lived in the uk um, so I moved back to the States in December of 2013. Yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or 12. No, December 2012. Time is so slippery. I know, it is really slippery. But so Harry and I ended up being in a long distance relationship for about four and a half years. So getting married was was a, I think a surprise to both of us um, so yeah. you were apart for four and a half years yeah and then you were married yeah so <laughs> we it's not like we, like we met in the final nine months that I was living in London mm-hmm. and when I moved back it was it was a very weird situation because we didn't really know what would happen and I think we're both the sorts of people where we were like well we can't put any pressure on this or expect it to be a certain thing because there's like the basic reality of living on opposite sides of the ocean so we we kept in touch and it was like constant and we visited each other a couple of times a year um but yeah I mean it was a lot of whatsapp messages and skyping (laughs) and emails yeah Mm. that sounds kind of nice though you know it it actually it really was in a strange sort of way i would never recommend to anyone embarking on a long distance relationship because it's like truly difficult but the the nice thing about it i will say is that i think when when your primary form of communication becomes written, mm. you you share aspects of yourself in a way that you wouldn't, and in some cases can't, face-to-face. So I feel like the two of us got to know each other very deeply just by virtue of especially uh, WhatsApp, because we would WhatsApp every day, even if it was just like a check-in of like, this is what I'm doing. But you, you kind of get a sense of the way that a human being's brain works, you know, and how they make sense of it as they lay it out to, to share it. And I think it was a very surprisingly um, intimate thing. Yeah. I love that. Um, can I tell you what's present for me? Yes. Okay. So... It's so interesting. I still feel super vulnerable talking about what's going on in my life, and I'm going to continue doing it, but it feels important to be like, guys, I'm scared to talk about these things out loud. Of course. 
Um, Matt and I were roommates for a year before we started dating. And so it was like we crossed a line physically. And after that, we were in a relationship full on. And one of the things we've been coming up against is I've been needing and recognizing that I need a lot more words of affirmation in my life. Mm -hmm. That's my, do you know the love languages? No. There's a book about five love languages and everybody has a different one or maybe it's four. That's like words of affirmation, acts of service, touch, um, and gifts Hmm. and quality time. Yeah. Those are the five languages. So it's like most people have a primary one. And I've finally (laughs) come to understand that words of affirmation is mine. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I've been trying to, I've been expressing to him I need more of that. And I think it's been very challenging for him to do that. And as you're talking, I'm realizing that like that thing that you're talking about, that kind of intimacy that comes through like deliberately choosing your words is something that he and I didn't ever really have the chance to cultivate because there was never any space for it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't know that Harry and I would have if we had been in the same place, you know? Yeah. It's well, and because you are also the complete opposite end of the spectrum, right? Like you were together all the time because you were in the same, same space, which is neither good nor bad. It's just the just the difference between the two mm-hmm. relationships. But it is, yeah, that's fascinating. That so, the, what are the other languages of love? Did you say so? It's words of affirmation, mm-hmm. quality time. Yes. Gifts. Yes. Acts of service. Mm-hmm. And physical touch. Huh. And everyone has a primary one that they Supposedly. Need. There's like everyone has a primary. And like when I read it, I'm like, well, I like all of the love languages because yeah, I course. do like all of them. Yeah. However, I've really been paying extra close attention to myself lately, <laughs> trying to figure out what I need and realizing that like from the time I was really little, if someone said good job to me, it meant a lot, you know, Yeah. that I've always thrived when I am receiving that validation, not even validation, but like reflection, you know, Yeah. when it's like genuine gratitude or genuine praise, it feels nice. Mm. Um, However, it's like a lot of people don't know how to talk anymore. That's very true. To one another. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with um, like communicating directly and the kind of vulnerability that that requires. I think it's especially hard in a city like New York where you encounter so many people on a daily basis. I was at this, well... So it's a show where like the audience would talk with the actors and it wasn't necessarily clear who was in the show or who wasn't. And basically the gist of the conversation kind of rolled around to like, wouldn't it be great if everyone would just like walk down the street and smile at each other and just like be like happy and present with each other. And I was like, that is such a great idea if you don't live in New York City because you would just be so emotionally and mentally exhausted by like giving that much to everyone that it feels like here a lot of people 
like go like extreme in the opposite direction as a kind of just like way of just mm-hmm. like self-preservation because if you're present for everything then like how many homeless people do you see on the street before you like your heart is completely broken or how many you know people do you see just like trapped in their own misery somehow or they're you know like it, it, there's only so much that a human being can give so it's like yeah how do you in spite of that still open up enough to connect with people i don't know you bring you bring wine. You bring wine. <laughs> We're drinking wine. That that helps. Right? Oh, we need to read wine. Yes, to yes, please. Um, I posted it on my Instagram story. I said Jesus brought me wine. Jesus brought you wine. It's white wine, though. It's that's so. It's like that's perfect for today, though. Yeah. We're drinking out of these tiny glasses that I received from <clears throat> my former boss Gabrielle Hamilton when she was cleaning out her cabinets. I love them. They're really cute. <laughs> uh, okay, we need to talk about your wedding. Yes. Your sentence was... Sorry, walking around the apartment. <laughs> no, my sentence was, I can't believe this is happening. Ugh. Yeah. Right, so tell me why. Well, I mean, because we'd been apart for so long on the one hand. And also, like, my parents are divorced, so I never really thought of myself <laughs> as, like, the marrying type in general no I mean for real yeah I know. um it was never something that like I aspired to but also like I'm gay so like it wasn't like even like a legal option like it's like crazy to think that 10 years ago Harry's and my relationship would have played out completely differently because if um I mean, if he were to move here, he would have to be pretending that he was in a relationship with a woman, right? In order to get his green card and do all of that. So, like, just, like, the basic reality of having, like, equal rights, like, mm. is, like, it, it's, like, a huge thing that has played out profoundly in my life in a way that I never would have imagined. Equal rights are very important, you yes, guys. Yes, they are. <laughs> they, like, legitimately, like, legislation is actually so important because it just even even for people who because i remember and i completely affirm this belief that there are a lot of people in the queer community who are not interested in getting married as a kind of heteronormative sort of thing which i completely hear and i completely understand but like in the case of my life like like I, i could not live my life without that ability to do so so It's nice to be able to have the option to say, I want to do this or not want to do this. Um, yeah, so it was, um, it was a really great day. We got married in Prospect Park. Mm. We, we wanted to spend like no money on the wedding. So it turns out in New York City, you can spend $25 <laughs> to get a park permit. What? To like, yeah, so... This is what I'm doing for my wedding. This, this was great, yeah. So we, we got <laughs> oh. the Grecian shelter at the south end of the park and yeah like that was literally it there was a nightmare because it's new york um so it took forever for them to process the thing and we didn't actually get the permit until the day of after having like called in numerous oh it's, it was like a whole thing. it was like a whole thing where i was like do we need to call 311 on how ridiculous this this whole thing is yeah. <laughs> get it together new york city yeah. um but we we got the permit and we yeah there were Ooh, there were less than 20 people there. We had to keep it small because it was just our immediate families. And because it was like New York City, we were like, we can't 
we can't afford to have a giant wedding. And because of that, as we like trimmed it down to like, it was like very much like hacking down this potential guest list to like the barest bones. Cause it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it's hard not being able to invite everyone, but, um, yeah. So we got married in the park. My dad officiated and then we had a really nice meal at the farm on Adderley afterward, Mm -hmm. which actually to answer your question earlier of what we did on our anniversary, that is what we did is we went to the farm on Adderley and we just had a little meal, the two of us. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. Ah. Yeah. Why did you guys choose to get married? Well, we, uh, we, well, (laughs) I feel like it should be a romantic story and Mm -hmm. it wasn't. We, there was one time when Harry was visiting here and we decided we needed to have a really serious talk about how long each of us could reasonably continue to be in a long distance relationship and steps for ending the long distance relationship and also what that kind of the implications of that were in a bigger sort of way. So we went and we got coffee actually just down the street from here at sisters in the afternoon. Oh, I love it there. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's really bright. It was quiet. I don't know if it's quiet anymore. I feel like I've gone a few times and it's like too many people and it's like right before it like Mm -hmm. became as much of a thing, but we just sat down and we kind of talked through the timeline because also Harry's uh, a performer and he had a, a big contract and then he we were like, well, we'll get married. And then, of course, he immediately got another big contract that lasted for like nine months. Um, but we decided that at the end of that was when he was going to move here because um, in the short term, at least, we would both be able to have a career here. Whereas if I moved back to the UK, I'd probably have to move into a different industry just because of the way that it's structured there. Mm. Um, Or only produce and never really have my writing produced and probably never really perform. Um, That would be such a shame. It'd be really sad. Well, and this was, (laughs) and so we, we figured that New York made the most sense now so that when, and if we decide to move back to the UK, both of us can at least like return with something that will hopefully allow us to both continue to work in this industry. So, yeah, we decided that Harry would move here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And how's it been? It's been great. <laughs> yeah. It's been really great. It was... Yeah, Did I'm, it shift something, like, when you got married? I always am curious if people feel like... Some people are like, yeah, everything was different, and some people are like, no, it was exactly the same. I don't think it was an immediate thing. I think that it's been like a a gradual growing kind of shift over the last year where, because mind you, right, like we, we lived together very briefly at the tail end of the time that I was in the UK, but like we haven't really lived together. And like, you know, someone in a completely different way when you live with them. (laughs) So even though we know each other, it's like been getting to also know like the habits that each of us have that kind of like annoy the other one or that the other one finds endearing or like all of that. Um, but there's just like a real sense of, of closeness and care that we knew was there, but it just somehow feels, uh, bigger Mm. now, which is nice. Yeah. 
so weird i i so when our anniversary happened i just like it just kind of like because this is kind of my observation of life is that these anniversaries always kind of happen very quietly right because it's never like fireworks and the whole world stops it's like everyone else is like going to work that day but it was suddenly just this realization of oh my god yeah today today is the day that was very strange mm-hmm. yeah and i think what's interesting because when i started this show i didn't realize how important it is to acknowledge what was going on a year mm-hmm. ago like that's the, the whole structure of the podcast it's like yeah. let's talk about what was happening a year ago today or I did one earlier today that was like 17 years ago today or 19 years ago today and to like actually stop and take time to look at where you are in like in perspective from where you were yeah it's so cool it is and it's also like the sort of thing that I mean you could in theory do that any day right yeah. Like any day, where was I a year ago? Or where was I 10 years ago? And what do I know now? And what what is a surprise now? And what is the thing I actually thought that it would be now? It's It's a very cool thing, I think, that you're doing. It's nice to take stock of both the good and the bad, but it's just good to collect yourself and also to kind of like honor these things that have happened in in your life mm-hmm. what is the craziest like a year ago today that that you have done the craziest or like the most like surprising mm. um one that really has always stuck out to me is my friend laurel had bell's palsy so she just woke up one day and half of her face was yeah paralyzed (laughs) and like that's that's traumatic I would imagine yeah so talking to her was really incredible um I mean there have been so many good ones I've talked to so many good people I'm like you're gonna go look at the list and you're gonna be like oh I want to listen to these all of these (laughs) and then just binge it uh yeah yeah so there was something I wanted to say what was it I was going to add to what you said that the other thing it's cool to take stock of is like, what am I still holding on to? Hmm. I feel like, I'm like, what stories am I still telling myself about this thing? Or how has my story changed? Um, And also like, how has the context of it in my life changed? Right. Because that's the other thing is like, Sometimes remembering is a helpful exercise. Sometimes it's therapeutic and sometimes it's like hard and it's actually like an anchor, right? So it's like, what is the... Mm-hmm. The healthy. Yeah. Healthy balance. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask you what it means to you to have had your father officiate. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So my, my younger brother got married the year before... And we, we were, we were like raised Catholic, but the family has, like my immediate family has, we're not church going, any of us at all. Um, and so when my brother got married in central Minnesota, it's like, I don't want to get married in church was his thing. So he and his wife 
um, figured out what they wanted to do. And then they were like, well, if we're not going to have a religious wedding, we also don't want to necessarily then have like a priest that we don't know be the one that like joins us. So they talked to my dad and they, (laughs) they offered him to do it and he got ordained online and he did such a beautiful job because it was so personal and by that point harry and i knew we were going to be getting married and i was like harry we we should talk to my dad oh what yeah it was harry like a hundred percent yeah yeah oh. yeah well because dad was really great i mean dad is like my father is a very smart creative person who lives in a place where a lot of those qualities are like weird and I think my dad, like, you know, he's not a city person, but if he was somewhere like New York, he would meet a hell of a lot more like-minded people and be able to, like, exercise that part of himself in a way that I'm not sure that he does. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I don't know. But um, that I don't know that he does in central Minnesota. So to have him write something that was like a gift, essentially, to my brother and his wife, and then in the next year to me and Harry it was just really profound and really beautiful and my dad is very poetic and he will not tell you that but he is very poetic (laughs) and it was just yeah everyone that was there was like that was beautiful and strange and surreal and (laughs) it was was, yeah was there one thing that he said that sticks out to you that you can share (sighs) I remember him talking about marriage as a migration, right? <laughs> right, from like one into a unit. And it was it was just, it was nice because he had done things like that that were like very specific to our relationship and made it very specific to the idea of marriage or an idea of marriage. Um, yeah. But the idea of marriage as a migration, I found really moving. (laughs) That's appropriate, Hmm. since that's what migration is about. Yeah. Movement. Movement, (laughs) change. Yeah. Mm. If you had to say what you feel like you were migrating from and what you were migrating to through this commitment, what would you say? That is a big question. I don't know. Um... I think moving from a place in my life where I only thought about my decisions in terms of myself, ultimately. I mean, of course, that's not the heart of everything because you work with people and you live with people and you do, you know, there's consideration for others involved. But really the crux of what all of my decision making was, was me, Colin, just me. And now to think of that and be aware of the decisions I make having an effect on another human being or needing to consult with another human being before I fully decide what, what the decision will be. That's been the thing. So thinking of myself not just as Thinking of the things I do in life, not just affecting myself, but having 
a direct effect on someone else's life. Yeah. So interesting, because as you're talking, I'm thinking that it would be so easy to hold that awareness as a burden. Yeah. Like you could really choose to hold it that way. And I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people think that being in a relationship is a burden because you have to consult with somebody else. Yeah. I don't sense that that's what you were saying, though. No, it's not. Well, and I think our circumstance is unique because some people, like... I mean, it might be different if Harry lived in the middle of nowhere, right? And was a farmer, and we loved each other. So me moving there would mean that I would have to go live and work on a farm, Mm -hmm. which is not a bad life, but it would also mean that I couldn't do what, like, is, like, fundamental to me being me, which is, like, making theater in a big city. So I think it's hard. I think luckily Harry and I have similar enough lives and like needs in life right now. But um, yeah, I can totally see how that would be a a burden for some people potentially. I mean, I've had friends who've, you know, they are the one that gets the job and their partner has to move with them or their partner gets the job and they have to move with them and sometimes it's great and sometimes that is the end of their relationship you know it's it's very difficult yeah 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 a real like united life is a real commitment yes well because also like a united life like it's it's finding a balance where neither of the people involved is the primary person because that my observation is that happens quite a lot where one person either makes more money or they're the more like they're the larger personality or there's there's something about them that the other one kind of just follows them around and um i'm understanding so much about my relationship oh no, as you're oh no. <laughs> um but i mean that that can work and sometimes it doesn't it's yeah so i feel very lucky in that that hasn't been the case for me and Harry, but I'm also not naive enough to think that like, that's always going to be the case. Like I'm sure that there will be moments where there will be a huge opportunity for him that I can't not support that. But that might also mean that for a while I'm on the back burner and I imagine there will be moments where the same could be said for him. So, or there'll be times when you will have a little bit of a long distance relationship again for a yeah. little while. Yeah. You know, like that's the other option. Yeah. And we've done that. We know, we yeah. know what that's like. And you know, you can do it, yeah. you know? So if it's like, that's the thing I think of a huge misconception about relationships is somebody has to be the winner and somebody has to be the loser kind of. Yeah. Um, but I think you can both win if you trust yourself to take the space that you need to pursue your dreams. Um, and just be honest with one another while it's happening, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I like to think. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be like Jennifer Connelly's character in A Beautiful Mind, where, like, she's there <laughs> the whole time, and, like, she's just there for him. Oof. Wow. Wow, wow. I've not seen that movie in, like... <laughs> oh, my God, I don't even know when. But that was, that was my takeaway from that. It was like, wow, how unfortunate this other human being... Did not really get to do anything. Just had to care for this crazy genius. Oh my god. That's so funny. (laughs) When people ask about my dad, he passed away, as I told you earlier. Um, I always, I often describe him as like, he was like super brilliant, very creative in a place where that's not really appreciated. 
um, but also like not so great with the social skills. Mm. You know, so kind of an asshole sometimes, yeah. and <laughs> not really meaning to be, but like very liberal in a place that wasn't accepting of liberals. Why did I start to tell you all this? I don't know. We're talking about a beautiful mind. <laughs> oh yeah, but I'll often be like, he was like a genius with no, <laughs> with uh, yeah. like very few social skills, and then I think about my mom who like took care of him to the end of his life even though they weren't together anymore and I'm like oh my god my mom is Jennifer Connelly <laughs> and I could you know I see how my life in some ways has been headed in a similar direction yeah. letting somebody else be the primary person but it's because when you recognize that that means that yeah. then you can see that and then you get the choice of whether or not that's the, the case, you know. Okay, next question. Next question. Right. <laughs> what have you learned about yourself living with him? I've... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the face that Colin made oh. just now was so cute. <laughs> it's like the good and the bad about myself. Um, I've, I've learned that I am the sort of person that like has moments where I really love being around people and there are moments in my life where I just need to like have space. I think at my core, in spite of like the like performance background, I'm very much an introverted person. So I just need a little time on a daily basis to just like be alone. And our schedules allow for that, but this has just been like a thing I've realized of like, oh like I love having Harry here. I love being with Harry, but I also still need that like hour or two of just like the door closed and whatever the hell I'm doing. If I'm reading, if I'm on the internet, if I'm just taking a nap, just something where it's like just me. Um, also learned that I'm not very good at cleaning. <laughs> I'm great at cooking. I'm not very good at cleaning, but he's good at cleaning. So that. Have you guys had to have negotiations around that at all? Because I feel like cleaning is one of mine and Matt's hot topics of conversation. Mm, we I mean, that's like a, a classic lot. hot topic of conversation, right? You know, and then I cry, patriarchy! <laughs> that a, doesn't help. You know, we can't do that, though, no, right? Because, well, right? We... No, I mean, it, I don't think it's caused any friction. I think it's because, like, each of us does things that the other doesn't to care for the apartment. So it kind of balances it out. So even if it's like, uh... I don't want to take the trash out today. I feel like I take the trash out a lot. It's also like knowing that like, yeah, but like Harry's probably going to like Swiffer the floor, right? Yeah. It balances it out. Yeah. No one wants to clean. I mean, like that's the, at the end of the day, right? Like there, there's a specific personality type that loves to clean. Mm. Um, but if that personality type is not in the room, everyone else is probably thinking the same thing, which is just like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Please don't make me clean. Please don't make me do this. Yeah, on to, like I have a list of things that I want to manifest in my life, and like at the very top of the list is a housekeeper who will come to my apartment like once every two weeks. That would be amazing, right? And like mop the floors and clean the tubs, and I want to pay someone a really nice wage. I don't want to like mm. do handy or whatever is like <laughs> it's like five dollars an hour. These ladies of color will come clean your home. That's insane. <laughs> that's um, really how much. They no, make. it's not that. I think it's like thirty dollars an hour, but still, Ooh. that's. Um, it's, I think it's usually two people. I don't know. I don't know. I did it one time and then I felt weird about it, but it's neither here nor there. Yeah. That would be the dream though. Would someone else just like clean, 
cleaning for you. <laughs> oh, boy. Wouldn't it be nice? It's like, I remember when, when we had parents who did that for us? Yeah. If you did, if you were lucky enough to have that. No, not everybody is. It's different than when it's your family, because then you... I don't know. Like, I feel like if a stranger came into my house and I knew that they were going to be cleaning, I would still, like, have it a certain degree of clean before they got there. Yeah. You have to clean so they can come clean. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I would do that with my parents. I mean, maybe I would now. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. My apartment is a real mess right now, you guys. <laughs> and so when Colin got here, I was I was very present to the fact that in the past, I would have had so much anxiety about you walking into my house. Really? There's this like is a, not even bad at oh all. Oh my god, it's like these unpacked, like these... These bags have been here for a week and a half, and there's a pile of dirty laundry in the hall and a ladder. Oh, I didn't notice the ladder. What is the ladder for? (laughs) I was putting up some lights in my room the other night. Um, My mom was like, (laughs) you know, she knows that Matt's not here, so she was like, make sure to keep your phone on you or near you if you're getting on a ladder. (laughs) I was like, okay, mom. (laughs) She's right, though. It's true. Just fall and hit my head and. Thankfully know. you didn't. Thankfully I didn't. Thankfully you didn't. <laughs> uh, so what else is present for you? What has been... Like, is there anything that's been super challenging or super fun about being married? Yeah. the I mean, I guess something challenging would be when our schedules don't match up. And even though we live together, we don't really see each other. Sometimes for like days at a time, it's just like crawling into bed and the other's probably already asleep. But I think that's like any relationship. Um, What's been really great though is just like hanging out and feeling really like we're a part of each other's lives in a bigger way than being that person that would get the text update of how today went, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That's been really nice. I think it's made us closer, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It would have been really sad if it didn't, right? And it was like, well, that was a mistake. What have you done? Luckily, luckily that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, I always say when people are moving in together, I really think it's like a make you or break you situation. Yeah, totally. Like you're either going to fall deeper in love or you're going to hate each other. Yep. And I have done both of those in relationships, so. It's a real thing. It's a real thing, but it's also like living with anyone. Some people are great roommates, and some people are not. And it also could just be 100% because of your personality types. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, everybody's different. Yeah. yeah. We don't all have to get along all the time. No. But it's nice if we get along most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> but we should try most of the time. If there's someone you're not getting along with, maybe just back away from them for a little while. Yes. <laughs> and clean. <laughs> and clean. Yeah, yeah. And something fun. I guess that you did challenging and fun. Did you? Well, I mean, just that we, like, we've gotten closer. Yeah, that's been awesome. really nice. It's also like, I mean, like last night we, ostensibly, it was a very boring night. Harry came home from his rehearsal. I had had the day off and we had um, Indian takeaway and we watched two episodes of Killing Eve and it was just so beautifully mundane and it was so nice to just have a night where we just sat at home and didn't really do anything but just enjoy being together 
but that's also just like for us that's such a it's still such a novelty even after a year mm-hmm. just like like tonight we will do laundry together <laughs> so <laughs> boring but it'll say, also be so like sweet sweet that. yeah be sweet yeah it's nice when you can take pleasure in in that yeah i feel like that's something i've really worked on it's being like this moment is amazing yeah well because also like the more i think movies you watch the more tv shows you watch the more you feel like your relationship is supposed to be like opening night every time right and every if it's not exciting all the time what are we doing wrong but it's also like well that's that's a fantasy it's then i don't know picture like my my mother's parents were they grew up on neighboring farms in central Minnesota and they they were both probably like the only other sexual partner that either of them had in life and they probably had sex as many times as they had children which was eight <laughs> um, wow that's a lot of kids right German Catholics man um, but even like as they got older it was just like they they so like so clearly just loved each other even though it wasn't flashy. And even though sometimes they would kind of quietly be like, do this, or, you know, don't, don't do this. But it was just the, like a beautiful relationship in how mundane it was. Mm-hmm. And that was nice. It's not for everyone, but I think that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you can cultivate both things. Mm. You know, it's not always exclusively... One or the other. Yeah. Which I think is a big, like, limiting belief I've had, that it's like it can either be really beautiful and loving and supportive, or it can be fiery. Yeah. But that those two can't coexist. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I suppose you kind of have to have space for both, because... You need both. Well, and also, like, today might be different than tomorrow, which will be different than the day after, so... Mm -hmm. she'll just, you know, it's life. Yeah, relationships are complicated, you guys. Yes. Oh, yes. Like, do I have any more burning questions for you? Is there anything I haven't asked that you think I should ask? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, we're still, like, so in the honeymoon phase of, like, being married. I'm curious what it will be like, like, five years from now. How we'll, like, process that. What was that like? Well, you can years. come back and Yeah, talk. come back. Yeah. Keep doing your podcast. Specifically, so. <laughs> I will. I'll put it in, in my five phone. five years. Yeah. Like, what I, like I did with Rachel Lynn. And yeah. when it pops up, I'll be like, I have to talk to Colin today for five years. <laughs> yeah. It'll, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, how... Because I, I think we have a really wonderful balance in our relationship. It's just that, like, it still feels like it's very much... Yeah, the honeymoon period. So, I don't know when that may end. Uh, so I'm curious what that will be like. Because that's inevitable, right? You know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I think that the honeymoon phase ending is when you stop... Okay, I do know. I don't think it's inevitable. I think that what happens is we start taking people for granted. Mm. You know, and that's what... When you stop seeing the person in front of you, I think that's when the honeymoon is over. You know, because mm. on a honeymoon, imagine like you're just drinking in one another's every move. Mm. 
And that's not normally how it feels in a long-term relationship. Or even if you are spending time together, if the time is not quality time, like, there's a difference between having a beautiful night at home together, watching TV and ordering takeout, and that kind of being the thing that you routinely do with one another that is leaving you both a little unsatisfied. Yes. You know? Yeah. I'm rambling, but... No, I think that's very fair, though. It's the variety. Mm-hmm. Some nights you gotta go be with people, and some nights you gotta mm-hmm. have a quiet night, just the two of you. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that there's so much each person brings into the room. You said something a minute ago about like every day is a little bit different. It's like your experience is a little bit different every day, as is his every day, yeah. but you still have to come together every day and find a way to meet each other. Yep. Even when one of you's in a place, you know, it's like yeah, this commitment to meeting each other. Yeah. When one of you has an amazing day, but the other day for the other person is just like complete garbage. And yeah. so like, how do you do that? And then how does that work when it, the, it swings the other way and one the other one's very high and the other's very low? You never know. Yeah. And like, are you able to celebrate one another or yeah. do you have to hide your joy? <laughs> I feel like you can't hide your joy. That's That's like... That breeds resentment, I would think. I think you're right. I know you're right. But also, how do you have a joyful thing happen if it's not joyful for the other person? I don't know. That is the question. (laughs) That is the question. That is the question. That's the thing, you know, you think about... Whenever I think about wedding vows... Ooh, I want to know what your vows... Or like, um, you know, but it's like in sickness and in health. And I think I've always focused more, oh, and you know, like in joy and in sorrow, and mm. sorrow and joy. Whenever I like listen to those, I'm like, oh, well, it's definitely harder to be together in sorrow. But I think it's, I mean, it's challenging for people to be together in joy too, you know? Yeah. Like if, I'm thinking specifically about relationship dynamics, if one person is in a low place consistently for a while... And the other person is, like, living a joyful life and not being met inside that. It's hard to be together in that. Yeah, of course. My dad had depression, so Mm. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And it's like a really, that's a very real thing. How do you, how do you celebrate other people when you yourself are not feeling celebratory? I don't know. And how do you take care of somebody who's low without disempowering yourself to do it? Yes. Like dimming yourself. Yeah. Well, because ultimately you you provide the gesture, but it's their response that dictates, you know, the next step. So you can only give so much of yourself if you're not if that's not being received in a way that promotes moving forward. It's hard. Yeah. That was a very good thing that he just said, you guys. <laughs> you can only give so much if it's not being received. Mm-hmm. You can't control how it's received, right? I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. That's true. When did yeah. you learn that? How do you know that? How do, how do I know that? Well, it's because my mom's an alcoholic and she's like in recovery now in her 60s. But 
Yeah, it was realizing that, like, the only person that could help her to change ultimately was her. And I think that that applies for many circumstances in life. Not all. That's not to say that, like, it's, like, a uniform thing. But I think that, like, yes, you need to be there for someone. But also, unless they unless they want to change then there's really nothing you can do Mm -hmm. and the interesting thing is someone can want to want to change without Mm -hmm. actually wanting to change Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you know it's that's a it's such an interesting yeah well because it's hard because it's changing their life it's hard Let's talk a little bit about Harry and sure. why we love him. Sure. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay, so what's what do you love most about Harry? Can I pour you a little more wine? Yeah, please. Um, I love Harry's sense of humor. I think it'll... It, like, it's like... Oh, sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> Part of it is like knowing that like it's always kind of fun to be around Harry because Harry is very sharp and quick. But also I think it it helps him brush things off or helps me to brush things off when you're with someone who finds the funny in things, you know. Um, he also is just like the most sensitive human being ever. It's really sweet. He just cares so much about people and me and um yeah i i find that really attractive and really endearing have you met harry (laughs) no no you haven't met harry i don't think so you have to meet him yes i do yeah yeah we live down the street oh i didn't even know oh my god i did well i kind of knew because I have friends, they don't live in New York anymore, um, but my friend Kate lived, used to live over, I think, kind of near you, and mm. every once in a while she would text me, I saw Jesus That's on the subway. Funny. That's funny. I think I've told you that before. Probably with, like, my angry, <laughs> shut-down New York face, where it's like, don't yeah. mess with I'm always me. like, why didn't you say hi? You know, people get intimidated. I feel like some we all hide from people on the subway sometimes. Yes. Also, the weird thing about that show was that we... We would talk so much to the audience beforehand that, like, each night it would feel so mm. communal and so intimate. But, like, also you do that, like, five days a week. And you can't remember anyway. everyone. And I've, like, met people in the years since that were like, we had a really great conversation about this. I'm like, <laughs> I feel awful because I'm sure that we did. But, like, it's like when you wait tables. You can't remember every customer that comes in. There's only one of you and there's many of them. Um, but then it was like weird cause I've, I found that that kind of has like, you can see the look in their face where it like slightly lessens their memory of this experience. Yeah. Which is fine. I hoped you, that you would remember them the yeah. way they remember I mean, you. I would, and of course I would hope to remember everyone that I encountered, but also like over the course of that run, that's like hundreds of people. There's and only so much space in your brain. remembering so many lines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How many hours a night were you on stage? Um, basically the entire second act and much of the third. So probably like 
two, somewhere between two and three hours every night I was on stage. Ugh. Yeah, it was a lot. It was wonderful. I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Wait, were you and Harry together at this point? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Harry came and he saw it. We'd been open for a while because he was doing shows in the UK at that time. So like I missed, I mean, probably his, one of his favorite characters he's ever played. I never got to see him do it. Aww. Right. Because I was here. That breaks my heart. Yeah. Well. It's okay. He's still doing stuff. Yeah. You know? There'll be another favorite character. Yes. Surely. Um, yeah. That was a lot. I can't believe it happened. Which part? The the, the whole of the mysteries. Mm. Also, my long distance relationship, also. But I just because <laughs> we just were talking about. We're the just mysteries. here to talk about the mysteries. This the is, mysteries. We're starting yeah. a real episode now. Welcome. We should we should have a, an episode that's like an oral history of the mysteries. Actually, I was thinking of doing a play that was like an oral history of that because there was like so much wonderful stuff in that and so much like crazy stuff that Signing was just, up to yeah help you with that. right wouldn't that be amazing i would love to help you with that because i it's i'm the weirdest human ever because i saw it so many times that and like you guys never got to see the show because you were in the mm. show you know i saw the first act because i wasn't in the first act the yeah. first act was great yeah no but it was because also it would be about like all the things well all the things none of us were getting paid to do that show and um there's the, so much to talk there, about there's, there. There's a lot to talk about there and to kind of process in terms of, like, the theater industry as a whole, not just in New York, and also the things that people do or think that they have to do in order to work toward their dreams. But that with the backdrop of, like, this, like, legitimately transcendent performance experience, that would be the whole thing. I should do it. Yeah. I should do it. I'm like, there should be like some, I don't know how it goes, but yeah, there's so much there. Yeah. And the subject matter is too, I mean, I don't know if you like, do you study mythology or religion at all in a... <laughs> well, not in a big sort of way, but I mean, like I was raised Catholic, so... Like... Right, right, right. So it's just like, I'm getting to the point in my life, my dad was super deep into mythology and always trying to teach me and I was always kind of like, oh, shut up, you know? Yeah. But now I'm starting to understand how important it is to understand mythologies. Mm. And so looking at Christianity through a new perspective is a little bit more important for me now. Mm. It's so interesting because I have such a visceral connection with the mysteries. And it's like a big part of helping me unpack a lot of that. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's nice to have a living, breathing connection to sacred material. Yes. You know, that, like, people don't go to church as much anymore, and everyone, mm. like, thinks spiritual but not religious is the fastest growing demographic group in the country. Hmm. <laughs> I read that somewhere. That's interesting. Um, and it's like, people really want this connection, this living connection to something. Yeah, I would get from a lot of people that had been raised Christian with something that made it a negative experience for them overall, that like seeing the show and seeing also how like Jesus was portrayed over the course of the show was like, and that's not just me, that's like, that's like how it was written in the different plays, but that, that that helped them come to terms with some things, which was like huge, profound, right? But it was also, I mean, because it was, it was a play about the Bible that wasn't religious, right? It was, mm-hmm. 
So because of that, you had all of these different perspectives looking at the story from people who were raised Christian or raised Jewish or raised Muslim or raised with no religion or was raised with something and changed to something else or super academic or is super interested in this. And because of that, I think is what made it so rich. Right. This has become about the mysteries of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. What keeps happening is I think we've been talking for longer than we have. I uh, feel like no one's bored of us yet. That's the hope. I, ho- I hope you're not bored of us yet. <laughs> if you are, you should have turned this off by now. And if you haven't, that's not our problem. Yeah, right. Fair. <laughs> Boundaries. <laughs> if you don't like it, turn it off. <laughs> okay. Um... This question was coming up earlier, and we've touched on it a little, but I would like to ask it directly, because I do think that, I don't really know who's listening out there, but if there's anybody out there listening who feels confused about the importance of equal rights, (laughs) Hmm. um, can you tell me what it means to you to be able to get married? Yeah, um... No pressure either. Like, I know I give you a pretty big setup there, but I just like to personalize and humanize how important it is that we stand up for each other. I have found since marriage equality became a thing that it's changed the way that I feel like I'm allowed to be a part of American culture. Mm. Me individually. Because it means that... I love the music. I know, I know. I'm just like dancing uh, a little bit. And no, I know we're very serious. But also, what is happening upbeat, outside? Upbeat, positive. <laughs> no, but it means that like... I cannot be questioned for being who I am or for loving who I love. Now, of course, there are people that will argue for this like awful... Religious freedom cake law, which then goes into people saying that they don't want to buy sell houses to gay people, which also implies that like doctors could refuse service. Like this is like a terrifying thing that the Supreme Court will decide in the next couple of weeks. But in terms of like marriage equality, it was like the first time in my life where I felt like I didn't have to justify myself to people. That the baseline of American culture suddenly meant that like I that 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 it it included me in a way that it never had in my life or the lifetimes of people before me and of course my life I'm a white man who has identified as a man my entire life and I fully acknowledge that that probably means I've had it easier than some other people but yeah th- this has just been profound for me to feel like I I can just live and that in a way that I didn't feel like I could before, which was a surprise to me, but was a nice discovery mm-hmm. with it happening. Mm-hmm. What's present to me is like sometimes how much there is a feeling of relief inside mm-hmm. an experience when you didn't quite realize how much you needed that relief. Yes. Yeah. Where the relief comes and you're like, oh, wow. And then it makes other things make sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like, like I notice it. I because I came, I grew up in a small town, and like I, 
carry a lot of tension in my shoulders and like I'm not like fully present vocally and I never have been in my life and I think like when I like look back like things make sense to me of like the things that you have to do to protect yourself or to make yourself so innocuous that there can't be a threat of anything else that like I I wonder what it would be like to be coming of age as a queer man today and how that might be different and mm. how it might be easier and how it might not be easier mm. um but just um yeah yeah the world is an increasingly tolerant place it seems even while the opposite is also true yeah. i think it's both both and yes we'll see how long it lasts <laughs> oh dear god yeah help us all yes yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like I'm just waking up in a way to how much work there is to do. Yes. And um, it's a hard awakening to, I've only recently been confronted with it, you know, in a way that's made me challenge everything in my life and have a lot of it fall away. Hmm. So many people deal with that their whole lives. Yeah. I think it's interesting that like the older you get the more you can pick up on like the easier it is to process the past in a way because mm. there's more of it but it's also like you have more of an emotional understanding of the world and how you fit into the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. yeah and you can continually be like oh I thought I had a clear understanding of that situation but with another year's perspective I actually see that I still wasn't totally clear. Like, mm-hmm. And that that process never ends. You never stop getting farther and farther out. You yeah. Know? I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Until you stop thinking about the thing, you know? Until you've let it go. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you our final questions. Great. Um, hang on, i got to remember how I did this this morning because I liked it. Okay. It's because we're like three glasses of wine in at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Mm. So I want to invite you to close your eyes again. Okay. And think about your love. And when you feel really present, share with me in one word how you're feeling. Happy. Mm. <laughs> All the sirens. Mm-hmm. Well, on this podcast, what we believe is that sirens happen when something rings true. <laughs> So it's really, yeah. you said happy and those sirens just went nuts. Okay, so then the last question I have, mm-hmm. it's not really a question, it's more of a imagining. If you could go back to a year ago today, imagine you were standing directly behind yourself as you were about to say, I do, and you could give yourself a message, what would you say? Enjoy the ride.
Mm. <laughs> that was very short and sweet. I know, it took me a while to land there, but <laughs> yeah. That's gorgeous. That's great advice, too. Thank you. What else is there to do? What else can you do? Not much. No. Throw your hands up and scream. Yes. <laughs> but when it goes down, it will go back up, right? That's, that's how roller coasters work. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope the sound quality is okay. I hope that you enjoyed this meandering experimental <laughs> conversation um let me know if you like it when i talk to people in person i think it's fun i enjoyed it i'm right. biased but i enjoyed it <laughs> is there anything else you want to say to people before we go no i'm, I'm feeling like we like hit all the all the stuff and then some yeah. so okay so keep listening to this podcast that's, <laughs> yeah that's what i say please do and tell other people to listen and if you want to talk to me email me my, I, I never remember the email. <laughs> I'm a year ago podcast at gmail.com. So email me there and maybe I'll start remembering my email address because I'll have to look at it more often. Yes. Yes. And until next time. Peace out, everybody. And the light, the